is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome to News from the Trough. In the words of the great Bruce Buffer, the fight caller. Yes, the election has finally been called. We've got a date, May the 21st. So we're jumping into the booth to wrap up what has been happening and what we can look forward to over the next few weeks. I'm Wendell Hussey. I have got the Diamantina Shires, Laura Tingle, Laurie Oakes. We're the political expert we've sent down there to Canberra to cover these things. She's now on the bus. She's following the election trail from marginal electorate to marginal electorate. Leslie Burley, how are you going? Mate, I am so glad that this election has been called. In the words of me, about bloody time is mm. what I have to say. Yeah, that's um, fair I'm enough. ready. I'm ready to go. You know, we've been pseudo-campaigning for months now, and I think everyone's relieved that we've got a date, we've got six weeks, and then it will all be over. Yes, the gloves are finally on, and we've got six weeks of full-blown campaigning ahead of us. So before we talk about the big issue, we'll go through our quick hits as we normally do. And the quote, it probably couldn't be anything else other than Prime Minister Scott Morrison on Sunday announcing the election. Here he is. Earlier today, I visited His Excellency the Governor-General and advised him um, to call an election for the House of Representatives and half of the Senate on May 21. So he went to the Governor-General, the Queen's representative here in the country, the head of our state there on Sunday, Governor David Hurley, and said, I'm calling it, let's go uh, for the final possible date he could have there was no date later and if he hadn't called it on sunday it was likely that david hurley the governor general was going to call it this week anyway so set down may the 21st the final final date very much leaving the assignment to the last minute normally a very organized and um, proactive man not to be expected scott morrison calling this on the very final day leslie burley no, not like his behaviour at all, you know, looking back to vaccine rollouts and natural disaster responses. He is someone that is known to be proactive, just like his sharkies. Yes, yeah, yeah, very weird one from him. And there are some theories floating around that Scott Morrison left this date to May 21st, the final date, because on that day he will equal the record of time in office, served as Prime Minister, of the great wartime leader John Curtin, the World War II leader. Um, May 21st, Scott Morrison levels it up, and then obviously the day after he will pass him, and he'll pass up the ranks on time served as Prime Minister of the country. He'll be just below Paul Keating. But, um, yeah, some people saying that maybe there was a little bit of personal motivation there. Obviously, Scott Morrison being the uh, the modern wartime leader in terms of the pandemic that we've seen, Ukraine, all that sort of stuff hoping to pass a former wartime leader. So an interesting bit of history to note there. We will talk more about what it means for the election being called. But now we move on to our clangor, which we said that the quote probably couldn't be anything else. 
The clang-up probably couldn't be anything else. Day one of official campaigning. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese, the man hoping to be the next Prime Minister of the country, offered us up this. Um, Andrew. What's the national unemployment rate? National unemployment rate at the moment is, uh, I think it's 5.4. Sorry, I'm not sure what it is. Yes, he was down there in the marginal electorate of Bass in Tasmania when the reporters decided to question him about what the official cash rate was and the official unemployment rate was. Yeah, that was an excruciating moment on day one, Les. Yeah, it is a painful one, to say the least. We're going to unpack this a little bit more later in the episode because there was a bit of back and forth with this one, but let's just say not the start that anyone would have wanted. No, not at all. Poll numbers, the Labor Party still leads the coalition in two-party preferred by a significant margin, 53 to 47. Um, So definite poll position, but as the light flickers green and Albanese hits his foot on the accelerator there, not great reaction time. Significant blunder. It was all over the news. As you said, we'll unpack it a little bit later, but um, not the start you were hoping for. A dropped ball off the kickoff, if you will. Our rogue unit of the week, he is George Christensen. He's been a rogue unit pretty much the entire time he's been in Parliament, but he's made his final speeches. He's resigning from Parliament and resigning from the Liberal National Party. He came out this week and said that in 2022, the Liberal National Party, as an extension of the Liberal Party, seems anything but conservative, and thus it is no longer my party. And on the way out the door, has spent roughly 40 grand promoting his own personal website, using taxpayer-funded dollars to direct people to his own personal website. Some allegations that he might be trying to start a bit of a alternative media publication and push himself as an alternative commentator interesting to see what happens there but he's he's utilized taxpayer dollars and the resources he has at hand as a parliamentarian to try and um, drive some traffic towards the next chapter of big georgie's life an interesting moment for him So Christensen is renowned for spreading misinformation in relation to COVID and members of the public have been calling for his sacking from the party for a while, but they don't need to worry about that anymore because he's truly sacked himself. Yes, um, I'll be curious to see if he hangs around or if he kind of just frays ratings into the background and um, cause a bit of controversy while he's in Parliament, but once he no longer has a platform, whether he can kind of maintain relevance or if he just fades away with the occasional very controversial meme or tweet getting a bit of traction. So we'll see what happens there. But I ain't spending any time on it. Now, let's get into it. The election campaign has begun, as we mentioned at the top of the show. It's going to be uh, an absolutely frantic few weeks ahead. There'll be constant news headlines every day, stories, gaffes, blunders, babies being kissed, beers being drunk, all sorts of stuff going on, pop quizzes about certain rates, certain figures, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to make for an exciting but obviously very tiring few weeks ahead. It all uh, officially kicked off on Sunday with, as we mentioned, Scott Morrison going to the Governor-General and asking for the election date to be set in stone for May the 21st. That happened. Scott Morrison gave his press conferences. The guns went off at Parliament House. (laughs) 
Did you hear those guns by any chance? A 19 gun salute. That's what they like to do when they call the election. They line up the old cannons and just go bang, 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 bang and fire them off. I did and I spilt my coffee because it was an early morning call scrambling to get to that press pack in time. And yeah. let's just say I, I may have ruined my outfit. It's such guns. a weird one. Imagine, like, I know there's a lot of political nerds in Canberra and people in the public service who are across this, but imagine not really being tuned into politics and not knowing that Scott Morrison's about to call an election and not knowing that these guns go off, and then all of a sudden you just hear, bang, 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 bang the guns firing up the top of the hill there. I don't know, you'd be very concerned, like, geez, I've got 19 backfiring cars in my back lane, or something has just teed off down at the local motorcycle establishment, potentially. There's been a disagreement and um, a couple of things have been sorted out. So I wonder um, how many other people were a bit like you, Les Aaron, just got spooked by all these guns shooting on the middle of a quite calm and pleasant Sunday morning from all accounts down there. Yes, so we are going to the polls in a few weeks' time. Full House of Reps and half of the Senate will be voted on. Um, there's that peculiar thing where they don't do the whole Senate each election. They do half one election and then the following election in three years' time, they do that next half. So we've got half the Senate and the Full House of Reps to be voted on. Anthony Albanese, as we mentioned, starts in poll position and have had a strong lead in the polls for quite some time now. But obviously, we saw what happened in 2019. Uh, we had the miracle of Scott Morrison, and he's obviously hoping to do that again. And the people in the Liberal Party and the people who vote for them are also hoping to do that again. But he's ticked off a full term, Les. Yeah, so Scott Morrison is the first Prime Minister in 15 years since Howard to survive a full term without a spill, which is pretty remarkable. I don't know if that's mm. a reflection on him or a reflection on where our democracy is at <laughs> these days, um, but that's that's a really big deal. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the first full term. It has been a frantic decade of constant chopping and changing and spills and new leaders. Obviously, makes for a lot of excitement, but um, I think most people can agree, doesn't really make for good democracy. So, I don't know if anyone pictured Scott Morrison being the first guy to serve a full term without any spills. But he's done it, and as we said, he's um, passed a fair few people on the longest time served as Prime Minister and hoping to knock off John Curtin. So congratulations to him for serving a full term. And he's come out with a, a pitch to serve another term. He wants to go again, obviously, and it's been all about being the safe pair of hands, hasn't it, Les? Yeah, so he spent a lot of time in his initial speech on Sunday talking about how this election is about you. This election is about you. No one else. Which is an interesting take for someone with a PR machine heavier than all the steel cap RMs in Batuta. <laughs> there was a lot of kind of, you know, talk about Labor not being stable, Labor being, you know, this messy party that doesn't know what they're doing. So there was lots of rhetoric around, you know, a vote for us as stability, a vote for them as a vote for change and a vote for the unknown. Look, some people may have taken that as a serving suggestion, you know, a vote for change, <laughs> but at least he's not reminiscent of Abbott's, you know, good government starts today mishap of 2015. What he's trying to do is paint this picture that Morrison has been running a coalition government who has done a bang-up job of protecting us from COVID, decreasing unemployment, among other things. Yes, 
very much positioning themselves as the stable government that we need as we emerge from the pandemic and um, constantly mentioning we don't know this Labor Party, we don't know the opposition leader Anthony Albanese well, we don't know their economic credentials and they're a big risk. Changing over, handing over the reins to them is a huge risk to the country at this point in time. So that's the big angle that they're trying to push. Essentially, that they're less shit than the Labor Party would be. And the and we will touch on what the Labor Party's been pushing, but they're essentially saying we'll be less shit than the Liberal Party has been. So it's um, really strong options that are being pushed. But it is uh, worth noting that the change in tone around these stable economic managers, we keep hearing that they are the safe pair of hands, the stable economic managers, the, the people who know how to look after the books, the people who know how to spend accordingly. But there's been quite a change from 2013 when Abbott was campaigning to become Prime Minister, when they were talking about the crippling, crippling $253 billion worth of debt that the Labor Party had racked up. Obviously, that was post-GFC and all that sort of stuff, but that was a devastating amount of debt. But now we're up to 950 63 billion i believe it'll be by the end of june as a result of three consecutive liberal party governments but that 963 billion dollars that's manageable and that had to happen so not a lot of chat about the budget deficit that we're getting into the labor party has been mentioning that we're nearly up to a trillion dollars of debt but the liberal party has cleverly steered away from that and have talked about uh, that being uh, kind of the situation that we're in is manageable and they'll manage it the best as we transition out of this period in time that was the pitch from scott morrison so as they traditionally do the prime minister comes out on the day of the election called he gives his pitch then Obviously, Anthony Albanese or the opposition leader comes out and they do their pitch as well. Morrison spoke for about 10 to 15 minutes, answered a couple of questions and then left, which um, I believe there were some gasps and laughter from the reporters at the time. Yeah. But he wasn't really going to take a lot of questions, Les. Yeah, there was. So you could actually hear the press pack, most of whom had hopped on planes halfway through their weekends to get to the conference in time, groan out loud when he left. And also someone made a comment. I miss what the comment was, but there was a little bit of laughter as well. So there was an indication that the press pack were pretty unsatisfied with the time allocated for questions. You know, when you bring a bunch of people, and we're talking the big hits of journalism here from around the country, every newspaper has sent their chief political correspondent, and he's answered three or four questions and then pieced out pretty quickly. And also on a Sunday too. That's the other thing. Nobody, Nobody loves working Sundays. A lot of people, you know, if they can get good penalty rates, say they're at university or they can get good penalty rates or et cetera, et cetera. They don't mind a Sunday because they're making a bit of bank, but nobody loves working on a Sunday. Nobody wants to work on a Sunday. So when you call them all out on a Sunday, instead of just making this announcement during the week and then just peel off after a couple of questions, you can understand the frustration there. So yeah, we will touch on Albanese's response in a second, but After that, Morrison then hit the south coast of New South Wales for his first full day of election campaign. He was down there in Gilmore, which is around the um, Nowra, Culburra kind of area. And it was amusing that the first full day of campaigning, he hit the seat of Gilmore down there with Andrew Constant. So he was a former New South Wales minister quite popular i think a lot of people say that he is like um he's one of their star candidates right he's trying to win the seat back off labor and he's one of their star candidates so he's something that you know they're trying to get around but obviously 
Andrew Constance and Scott Morrison have had some run-ins in the past during the whole uh, 2019 bushfires down there. Constance actually came out and said that Morrison got the response he deserved when he went down there from Cabago and tried to pinch a few handshakes off uh, locals who'd lost everything. So it was certainly interesting to see the pair of them come together down there at that brewery and doing the tour of the day. Morrison said, you know, pass is a pass and he respects Gilmore uh, and he respects Constance for telling it like it is and shooting straight. So tried to brush over that uh, as much as possible and not touch on the history of when Andrew Constance really went after him at the heat of the bushfires there. So if you are a beer fan, you might want to keep an eye out for the Liberal Party special campaign beer. Uh, Scott Morrison and Constance were spruiking that one at a brewery. I believe it was in Culbara down there on the south coast. Full strength beer, they said, like the Liberal Party. So they were pretty keen to get a few photos with that nice blue can of full strength Liberal beer. Yeah, an interesting take from someone who in every uh, photo of him at the footy really looks like he's struggling to finish his (laughs) footy beer. Yeah, yeah, Uh, it's incredible to watch how much he hates the sips of beer, particularly the one that always got me. There's one in Queensland where he's having a sip of 4X and it looks like the most painful thing ever. Obviously, as an Eastern Suburbs rugby guy, more of a red wine fan, but anyway. (laughs) But I ain't spending any time on it. We'll move over to the other side. Anthony Albanese, uh, he came out and made a real point of speaking for, well, not speaking for ages, answering questions for ages and just hanging around, which seems like a calculated political move off the back of Morrison just peeling off, not wanting to talk about stuff. Albanese looked like he was like, I'm here, I'm ready to go. And he's talked a lot about, I'm not shying away from things. I'm not like Scott Morrison. I don't run when the going gets tough, etc. So he seemed to hang around for a while there. You were there, Les. What do you make of it? He spent most of his time drawing links to how the coalition government have handled things like COVID and national disaster response in the last two years compared to how he says that the Labor Party will handle such things in the future. Mm. He spoke a lot about Medicare, aged care and child care. So those being some of the three big pillars of their campaign. And he also spoke a lot about how the coalition has a short term plan. So a plan to get votes at the election, but no vision for tomorrow and lots of language language around that um so his whole speech was about you know seemingly restoring faith in the political system and they're offering a point of difference compared to scott morrison who's spent his speech talking about keeping things the same and keeping things stable yeah as you said the point of difference there Obviously, we had stuff like childcare, uh, stronger Medicare, etc. But one of the big themes there really was just like competence. Scott Morris and the Liberal Party are pushing that they're a less shit version of the Labor Party in terms of managing the economy. They're not offering anything bold, but they're just going to be safe with the economy. Labor is, and Albanese is just saying, look how shit these guys have been for the last couple of years. We're not going to do anything grand. We'll just be less shit. So it's a real clash of big bold ideas leading into this 2022 federal election. And he he actually finished that press conference, though, with a quote from the Ramones. He did. He answered all of the questions that the press had for him, and he pieced out saying, hey, hey, let's go. Yes, um, a quite a jubilant and jovial note to finish on on Sunday, then kicked off with a not-so-jubilant quote the next morning. As you heard at the top of the show, there was that clangor about the unemployment rate and the cash rates, Albanese not being able to offer that up. You were there. It was quite 
a tough watch. I'm assuming in person it would have been a bit cringe-inducing as well, having those questions asked and then him just go, mm, I, look, I don't know. Actually, sorry, I don't know. Yeah, cringe was definitely the word. So Albanese spent his first day of the campaign in the seat of Bass in Launceston, Tasmania, and it's actually the most marginal seat for the coalition at 0.4%. So Labor are really gunning to win their seat in the next election. As mentioned earlier in the episode, Anthony Albanese was asked about employment figures and he just wasn't able to give an answer. So the dialogue or lack thereof regarding these figures did actually then continue throughout the day as well at a later press conference. And I should clarify uh, what I said there before in terms of it being cringe and excruciating is just for anyone who doesn't like awkward situations or finds uncomfortable moments quite excruciating that's what that was that was a really uncomfortable moment a guy who's the leader of the opposition he's excited to get into it he's feeling good and then just bang bought crashing back down to earth and there's a few different things around it like obviously i didn't know the cash rate i did know the unemployment rate because that's been touted by the liberal party but i didn't know those rates and i don't think a lot of people know those rates but we're not campaigning to be the next Prime Minister of Australia. If you want to be the next Prime Minister of Australia, probably should be across that, given where both parties are positioned, i.e. Labor Party are trying to prove that they are good economics managers. Anthony Albanese, economics degree from Sydney University, you probably would expect him... You. You do expect him to know those kind of things, to be hit with them. And obviously that's on the team behind him because it's not just Albanese. He's got a whole team of staffers there behind him. You would have thought someone at some point will go, here's these facts and figures you should just try and be across because they're going to hit you with them on day one. And he did actually come out and apologise in regards to everything that you just said and agreed with everything, you know, the criticism that kind of came his way, saying I'm human, but when I make a mistake, I'll fess up to it and I'll set about correcting that mistake. So I have a feeling that he's probably spent the evening staying up until 3am crunching those numbers. <laughs> he may have even written them down in his palm so we might see him looking down at his hand and hopefully that ink hasn't smudged but at Bob least Catter he has acknowledged. Bob a big fan of doing that. He, um, he loves writing stuff on his hands. He's always got um, smudge writing there for his talking points which he um, always stays on point with. He never varies off and kind of goes off on different tangents. Bob's no, he's not he's a divergent thinker at all, is he? No, no. But yeah, as you said, he apologised and again, he tried to pivot that into an attack on Morrison saying, you know, I don't run away from these things. Um, I... When I make a mistake, I fess up and all that sort of stuff, which again, like that's probably a good thing in terms of a human trait if you make a mistake owning up and going forward. But this is politics we're talking about. You know that that is going to be the centre of a fair few Liberal Party attack ads over the next six weeks that we're going to be hammered with that moment. It'll be interesting to see whether they use that excruciating moment of vulnerability where he just goes oh i don't know or whether they use the kind of more smirky cocky fumbling that he does at the start because i wonder if that really tough moment makes people who hate awkward situations kind of feel a little bit sorry for him and actually empathize with him as a human but i guess we'll have plenty of opportunity to see because they're going to be everywhere for the next kind of six weeks. He's written their ads for them, uh, as a few people have pointed out. And look, they do have to be careful as well because they it almost does put him in a position against, you know, Scott Morrison, who didn't 
um, apologize for when he was yeah. called out about the price of milk and the price of rat tests and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it'll be an interesting one to see like how hard they go on yeah. this um, because some people, you know, can actually spin it around again and say, well, at least, you know, this guy apologized and your guy didn't. So I honestly think that both of the leaders kind of need to step up and know a little bit more about what it costs for us to live every day and how yep. employed or unemployed we are as <laughs> both of them yeah. need to do a little bit of homework here. Yes. Yeah. That um, probably is a good start. And I think also potentially from the media side of things, maybe not turning it into a pop quiz as well, not Absolutely. coming up with those gotcha kind of moments. Um, and, and a man who did get pinged by a few gotcha moments back in the day was uh, John Howard, who, your dad's mate or your cousin who wears a puffer vest would tell you is the greatest economic manager of all time. Arguably, a lot of people will say the greatest prime minister we ever had, whether that coincided with the housing and resources boom and general economic prosperity, we won't talk about now, but a lot of people say he was the greatest prime minister we had. And he came out and he actually said this about Albanese forgetting uh, the unemployment rate. Look, can, is that a serious question? Yeah, Anthony Albanese didn't know the unemployment rate today. Yeah, well, I, well, well I'm not... Yeah, okay, well, Anthony Albanese didn't know the unemployment... All right. So what? <laughs> Fair enough. I love the frustration in um, Johnny's voice there. Quite annoyed by that line of questioning there, which is an interesting one. Obviously, you feel like the people in the Liberal Party were like, come on, hammer him there and say, how can this guy lead our country if he doesn't know basic economic facts and figures? Pretty honest and candid from John there. I think he, yeah, he got called out on interest rates over his time um, as Prime Minister. And so obviously he still holds a bit of a grudge about that. But a little moment of bipartisanship there. Uh, yeah, from, and I think when John. you're as when you're as retired as John Howard is, you know, when you get wheeled out to answer something in front of the press every six months, you probably want it to be a pretty solid, juicy question to answer as well. Yeah. He just seemed a bit shocked where he was like, "That's the question you're asking me right now, and you're interrupting my Monday morning." Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was in a food court of like a local yeah. mall or something. Maybe he just, was having, just a having a cup of coffee lunch. and a donut. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. and he's got hit with that and he was quite frustrated. I guess we'll see what the fallout. Obviously, that was all across the front pages, headlines, news bulletins, the clangor from Albo. Didn't get anywhere near as much attention on the apology uh, and didn't really get any attention on what John Howard said as a result of that clangor, i.e. who cares, it doesn't matter. That didn't really seem to get a run in any of the newspapers or bulletins. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess, get a bit more of an understanding of whether that's just a bit of a gaffe that rolls in with the news cycle. We've seen a lot of gaffes over the last couple of years or whether that is kind of like a, a real moment that we look back on. You know, we look back in the game at the second minute, that drop pass or that sin bin, maybe that will be something that we'll look at. But um, I guess only time will tell. We're going to have news stories popping up every single day and we'll be keeping an eye on all of the other stuff. As we said, there's going to be lots of stops into marginal electorates trying to win back the votes. Currently, as it stands, Labor Party have a quite firm lead if the opinion polls are to be trusted this time around. Looks like they're going to win back a few seats, as is predicted, and potentially win a government. But a lot can happen in six weeks' time. So... That's the lay of the land as we leave you now, and we'll be back again in seven days' time to 
to unpack what has happened in the seven days to come and try and give a bit of an updated score count on where we're all at. Les, uh, from down on the south coast, thanks very much for beaming in. Great to have you here. Great to have your insight into what's been going on and enjoy the bus. Uh, yeah. If you're listening and I see you on the campaign trail, give us a shout out. Yeah, go and say hello. Always uh, very friendly, Leslie is. So have a chat to her, say hello. But for now, that's all we got time for. Hope you've enjoyed it. Talk to you soon.